Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Um, the last section, um, I'm going to cover the importance of building agreement. Um, and I think I'm going to answer some of the questions that had been raised um, earlier, especially just during your section um, about leaderless and facilitated. Um, there's a, uh, a body of knowledge that's called social psychology that has to do with how do individuals act within groups. Um, and one of the um, contributions in the field of social psychology is a, a study um, on what are the phases that groups go through if they um, are going to become an effective, healthy group. And there are four stages that groups go through. Uh, the first stage is called forming. Um, and uh, the second stage is norming. The third stage is storming. Um, and the fourth stage is transforming. Um, and the reason why I bring it up is because um, I just want to underscore something that was said earlier that um, having cohesive group membership is necessary for groups to move from the forming stage to the norming stage. Like, let's say you have a group where um, people drop in and drop out and you don't have a stable group. Well, what ends up happening is that that group continuously is going back to forming. And in the forming stage, what's happening is people don't feel safe. They're not sure of what their role is or what the group is about. And you're constantly in this process of, well, what are we doing here? Why are we together? So if you can get a group of people to agree, okay, we're going to stay together for six months, nine months, a year, whatever it is, We've, we've made that commitment, then the next natural step that a group must go through to be able to create safety and participation is called norming. So in the norming stage, what you're doing is you're explicitly um, discussing how do we want to function together as a group? What's okay and what's not okay? And a lot of what we've been hearing today um, are questions about Well, what if? What if you're in a group and somebody is acting in a very hostile, judgmental way? Um, What happens if uh, we've got a group of people who just don't participate? Um, What happens if one person is dominating? All of those questions can to to some degree be addressed if at some point in the group life you explicitly brainstorm, list, what are the agreements that we want to function under? So what would be an example of a group agreement that would lead to you personally feeling like participating and safe? What would you want to have? Make sure they get their, their, the commitment. Okay, so commitment. We know that we can expect you to show up. You're going to be there week, week after week or how, what, however the group is. What else? Acceptance. Acceptance. So sometimes, um, this is not in any way a criticism, just want to explore it. When an abstraction is suggested as an agreement, 
like acceptance, a good facilitative behavior. I'm, I'm, I'm separating facilitative from facilitator because any member can be facilitative. So a good facilitative behavior would be to say, that's great. What do you mean by acceptance? How would you know that you were being accepted? What would show up in the group if, if acceptance were present? That way you're moving it from, oh, uh, this is a cognition mm -hmm. to, oh, yeah, I can really feel that in my body. Like when you said that was a stupid idea, no, that was not acceptance. <laughs> yeah. What else? What other kind of agreements would you want to have? Please. Yeah. So critical to the group process is confidentiality. And just to reiterate something that Melanie was saying, it is so important that part of that confidentiality agreement be that not only what is said here stays here, but also that we work things out within our community. Now, there are times when it would be useful maybe to talk about something that's going on with a neutral party. But ultimately, if you don't bring it back to the group in some way, then what ends up happening is it just drags the group down because it's sitting there like an elephant in the, in the, in the room. Thank you. What else? I think um, respecting the time frame, the time limits. Yeah. Whatever's agreed on. Yes. And as James mentioned, having a little timer, an app, um, takes away the whole issue of, you know, is it really time? <laughs> Am I really done? And starting and ending on time. Starting and ending on time, yes. Ending. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Anything else? Any other agreements that you can think about? Um, making sure there's space for each person to talk that wants to talk. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any way that you can, that you've seen work that helps bring that about? Uh, again, using a timer that uh, people have five minutes. And if they want to use that five minutes in silence, or if they want to use the whole five minutes, they, they get that allotted time. Uh, it's because it's, it's not just the check-in time, that minute or two. It's if they're talking about uh, their, their response to the book or their mm -hmm. uh, whatever the processed and want to bring to the group. Great. Sort of the meat of it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So no interrupting and no advice giving. Mm -hmm. mm, great. So, you know, in 12-step in programs, one of the ways they talk about this is uh, no crosstalk. Mm -hmm. No crosstalk, no backtalk. Um, and it's a good and very useful way of diminishing the mm -hmm. tendency for the mind's reactivity. Mm -hmm. But advice giving, even... even Without the crosstalk, somebody can 20 minutes later say, oh, by the way, here's something that you know, I think you should try. Uh, there, there's, and, and if everybody has an agreement, unless asked, uh, one way, to, one way that, that, that somebody can, can offer something <clears throat> without it being advice is saying, um, you know, this is, what, this is what I found helpful. Um, rather than this is what you should do, but when when I, gosh, I I know I know exactly what you mean, and uh, and this is you know this is something that that I do. It's it's delicate territory because it still can come off as advice, but if one 
if one is is asking, if somebody is asking, what should I do? You know, then it can be a gentle way to share your own experience. Um, but advice giving is is a very tricky one because it's assuming that you know their reality, and uh, unless it's asked, it's not it's not going to go over so well. One other thing, by the way, about uh, about not. Um, about dominant voices is um, having an agreement. If you've already talked, you know that you don't talk a third time mm-hmm. until you know a second time. You might have something to add, but when, if it's a third time and and a, a number of people haven't haven't contributed, that's something to be aware of. Or as a facilitator, saying, "Gee, would really like to hear." From people who haven't uh, haven't spoken yet, um, is there? And sometimes nobody else has anything to say. You say, okay, well, let's open it up now. Any other comments? What? So, just looking at kind of the distinction between facilitated <laughs> meetings, groups, and peer-led, non-facilitated, they actually require both of them require exactly the same role. The role is that somebody explicitly is kind of keeping the temperature, the morale, the, the feeling tone of that meeting in front of them, and that they're conscious about it. Um, because groups, um, when they're first forming, like if, you're, if you've been in a Kalyanamita for a while, it tends to develop a life of its own. People get to know each other. Sometimes you get less sensitive towards each other because you know, oh, that person just says things that way. It's not a big deal. But when you're first forming and it's the first, you know, three or four months, there's a tremendous amount of sensitivity that you bring into that about, is this a safe place? This is, gonna, is this going to be like other groups I've been to? And it's so important if you're not going to have a facilitator who's really the kind of um, intention, intentional person who's kind of keeping things on track, on agenda, on purpose, then somebody should take that role and explicitly um, offer to do that. That would be more in kind of the peer-led. Yes? Hi, Guy again. Uh, there are ever occasions where uh, a group would meet in a public place, such as a church, a community center, or something like that, where it might uh, entail a little bit of rent. Or, you know, like some 12-step groups do for 30, 40 bucks a month. Does that ever happen? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then that would be, you would need a facilitator or a controller then probably mm-hmm. to take care of that. Yeah. Which entails a business. Yeah. Everybody would contribute and we'd use that to pay our, our fee for their rental. Yeah, everything has happened. You know, or you can, or you can imagine if it hasn't, you'll... Uh, you know, then you just address that. There is something about, especially if it's not that large a group, about meeting in somebody's home that, that makes it a lot more homey. Um, and, uh, and yet, if, there's, if somebody offers their space or somebody has an office that they can, they can use, you know, you, you just uh, address it accordingly. Have any of you started groups or tried to start groups using Meetup? Mm-hmm. Anybody use Meet? How many of you know Meetup? Yeah. So um, 
Mariah, we, um, Marianne and I were starting a group in Santa, Santa Rosa and we were wondering like, how do you get new members? And Mariah said, well, why don't you put a notice on Meetup? And uh, we were pretty successful in getting, you know, people coming who were interested from a lot of different, um, you know, kind of different communities. So you might try uh, Meetup as a way of uh, uh, eliciting new members. Also, uh, you might go to whatever sitting group is in your area, if there is one, and making an announcement at the end of the sitting group. Mm-hmm. You know, it happens a lot in, or, or from time to time in my Berkeley group. We meet every Thursdays. By the way, everyone's welcome. You go to insightberkeley.org. Uh, and just at the end of it saying, hey, I, I want to start a group uh, looking for other people. This is what, I th- what I'm thinking of the focus being. Um, and please see me. <clears throat> So we have about seven minutes left before five, and we wanted to leave some time open for any question that we haven't answered or addressed. Please. Stormy. Stormy. <laughs> Stormy. <laughs> so the storming stage is the stage in which conflict emerges. And um, the conflict can be healthy conflict or it can be unhealthy conflict. Healthy conflict could be a disagreement uh, between people about the application of the Dharma. Like, I I do it this way. I see it's different than what you do. Um, Healthy conflict could be, well, I'm not sure I want to read that book. I'd rather read this book. Um, You know, those are just, that's conflict. I mean, there's a difference of opinion and you have to resolve it. Unhealthy conflict would be more where people are sniping at each other um, and you're not, as a group, you're not going to get to the storming state. It's not even going to emerge if you haven't gone through forming and norming. If you don't have group agreements, then people have nothing to push against, both, both you know, healthy and otherwise. But if you have a group agreement, now you have a, uh, an e- explicit way that you've said, as a group, this is the way we want to function. And if we're all outside of that norm then somebody can bring it up. A group member can say, well, you know, I know that we made this agreement that we wanted to be kind to each other, and I thought that when you said to them that their opinion didn't matter, that that was unkind. So you can come back to the agreement and use the agreement as a platform for, you know, dealing with the conflict that's there. Transforming is a very high state that many most groups don't get to because they don't stay together long enough, and they don't go through the storming stage. But in transforming, what begins to happen is that the group enters into what's called a flow state, where there's really a sense that you've lost kind of personal identity and that you really are connected. The group is like talking about things that are incredibly interesting. Everybody is contributing. That's what it feels like. Like a good marriage. Like a good marriage. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Any other questions? Yes. How long does the average um, group stay together? (laughs) (laughs) There are nine and one of mine. Yeah, I know groups have been together for 11, 15 years. Mm -hmm. And then there's there's no one right way. So it's not like, oh, if you've really got a good group, then it's going to be free from here to eternity. (laughs) Uh, But there are some groups, very rich groups, that have come together for 
a year or two years, mm -hmm. and then you know there's different things that happen in people's lives, and it can. I'd say since actually there's another piece, if your group has come to its natural life span, to um, as the Buddha says, meet in harmony and depart in harmony, mm -hmm. and to have a feeling so that everybody leaves the group feeling really good about having been in it as much as that's possible and also that you're all wishing each other well and that you are all you know spiritual friends whether or not you see each other you are there still in spirit hoping uh, the best for each other and that that will that will then every time people think about the group or reflect back on it, there's a good feeling instead of that little little snag. You want to get a good feeling. Oh, yeah, spiritual friendship is a good thing. So you just got to see what the natural lifespan of the group is. Okay, this question might be really ridiculous. After all, we talked about confidentiality and the the strength of groups. But because I'm new at this and I'm thinking about forming one and I've only been to one other group one time, I was wondering, is it possible sometimes to, to you know, as a guest, come and sit in on a group here or there just to get a flavor about how other people run it and how, how they work together? I think back in the back. <laughs> we'll take one or two more questions and then we'll end. Hi. Um, so I'm in a group that's a non-Buddhist group and we do time people's talking, but in between the non in the non-timed portion, um, there's one person who dominates the talking space. And it's been a problem in the group, and I just—it comes to mind that that could happen in in a Kalyanamita group also, because uh, unless you're timing every aspect of it, and I just wondered how you might suggest dealing with that. One one yeah. thing one thing I think is um, one of the interesting things about groups is is this a group that's going to have courage, or is it going to ignore? the things that are not working. And uh, it, it's both a sad fact of groups, and it's also at times inspiring, that many groups just um, ignore difficult conversations. They don't know how to deal with it. They're afraid it'll wreck the group. But for something like what you're bringing up, Ariana, I think that if you don't, as a group, address it, and you don't talk about it in an explicit diplomatic but at least direct way that it just continues to be a drag on the group's sense of it really being enjoyable. Mm -hmm. This is where the processing at the end is so it can be so important and the facilitator's responsibility for creating that safe space and as a facilitator um, if 
if that's a role that you're in, to to speak to the person first privately, as one if it doesn't come up in process, uh, because your first responsibility is to create a healthy environment for the whole group to thrive, and if if not saying something is affecting the whole uh, environment of the group, then you're you're abdicating your responsibility. Just but saying it in a um, uh, in a practice of wise speech, and if it does come up in the group, again to keep on coming back to wise speech. This is a wise speech practice. How do we deal with life? With life that comes up. So that's that's what makes the Kalyanamita groups so rich in a way that's not just you know another book club or a, mm. you know that this is oh we are practicing being more conscious together and so the storming part is a natural part of life community whether you're a monastic community of of 20 years or a, a kalyanamita group of 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 one month People getting together, there's going to be different styles. How to deal with this in a in a Dharma practice way? So just to um, end, um, there was an article by Tiknat Han in Shambhala Sun, and the um, there was a quote in the article that he said, um, "The Maitreya Buddha, the next Buddha, will be the Sangha." Um, and he went on to say that what he sees happening in Western Buddhism is the shift away from the teacher um, as the sole source of wisdom and the democratic um, tradition of the West kind of affecting Buddhism by its emphasis on we can learn from each other. We do learn from each other. Each of us has wisdom and that if I listen, I'm going to learn from you. And I think it's very, very powerful to remember that these Kalyanamitas are the Maitreya Buddha. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where the Dharma is unfolding, and you're right in the middle of it. <laughs> so enjoy it. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So should Anything? we uh, dedicate uh, yeah, merit you, you for the day? Yeah. So it's really, uh, it's great. We're still all here after... Uh, <laughs> all this time and it's been a really rich conversation and uh, I, I do hope that that you uh, either form a group or become part of a group or if you're in a group that it it becomes richer and richer and have the the courage and the the good heart to uh, to do what you can to uh, to help support each other in practice <clears throat> and uh, just before I, I uh, uh, we dedicate the merit. I want to mention that um, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be doing a um, a weekend retreat down in Mount Madonna for new and experienced people, mm. just in case you happen to be interested or know anyone who wants to do a weekend retreat. And starting the, uh, tomorrow, a uh, six-week beginning class in, in Berkeley. And come to uh, our Berkeley community if you're around on Thursday nights. So... Uh, just feeling the wholesomeness of your time spent here this afternoon and the grace that somehow you are called to deepen your practice.
and that we've all supported each other in uh, our appreciation of refuge in the Sangha. And may we share any merit, any goodness, any wholesomeness that develops from our time here together. May it be of benefit to any groups that we're involved in and people in our lives and stretching out to be of benefit to all beings everywhere. May all beings come into connection, feel refuge in like-minded friendship, and know the highest happiness and peace. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.